0: Hello and welcome to episode number 32 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for downloading our show today, wherever you are listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, I trust you all have had a great week this week. And I know for a lot of swimmers out there, you're starting to get back in the pool, which is awesome to see. And for those who are still uh, not quite there yet, fingers crossed, uh, you get the green light in the very near future. Now, a big week on the show this week as we chat to Dolphins team member and Gold Coast sprinter, Mr. James Roberts. Spoke to James a few weeks ago about his amazing career in the pool with all the ups and downs along the way, including his many battles with injuries, but also his uncanny ability to find ways to overcome and keep getting better. I definitely left this conversation thinking 2021 may just be the year that James winds back the clock and shows us once again how fast he really can be. So adjust your headphones, turn the volume up, and get ready because EP32 with James Roberts starts now. Take your away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary
1: Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's him away.
0: And end, but the signature of all I is the great man of butterfly, Susie O'Neill. Earth is coming back. Oh, he's surely gone to a German game. Chavis in the white hats, Feltz in the black hats, And Feltz has won it. I cannot believe he's made that. Fortune for the whole. What goes in? Australia win. Joining me today on the show is a Gold Coast sprinter who is a two-time Olympian from both London and Rio. He's a multi-international championship medalist with medals from the Olympics, packs, and Com Games and perhaps his biggest accolade is that he accomplished all of these achievements whilst also battling through adversities with shoulder injuries and back injuries during his extraordinary career. He has not given up and thankfully he hasn't. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. James Roberts. James, how you going, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Not a trouble at all, mate. Now listen,
1: that's what it's a, I figured. It's a bit. What was that? Uh, that was my um. That was my Siri, my watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that off and throw it under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> to come out of nowhere through me. Yeah, uh, mate. Now listen, I'm coming to you today from the chilly studios in Sydney. It's a bit fresh down here at the moment. Where have we caught you?
1: Uh, I'm at home on the Gold Coast. Um, still a bit chilly up here, to be honest. The the last uh, few days, it's dropped down to about ten degrees. So. Uh, Winter's well and truly on its way up here as well.
0: Mate, a lot of people, you know, getting back into the pool. Um, I I spoke to Travis Marnie the other day in South Australia. have been back, I think, for nearly a month now. And and with Zach Surdy, I spoke to him and and WA are similar. What about yourself? Have you got any clarity about, you know, getting back in the pool? And have you had a chance to to turn your arms over?
1: Um, Yeah, look, we've been lucky enough that uh, Somerset, uh, the pool that I swim out of, uh, it's a private school, here in the Gold Coast has actually opened up last week. Um, so with the, the strict protocols that they have in place, we're only allowed one swimmer per lane, mm-hmm. um, which I'm guessing is the same kind of all over the country um, for, for an hour slot. So um, at the moment, I'm just in uh, three days a week, um, which is nice, um, starting at 7.30, a bit of a sleep in. and yeah, loving so that. Yeah, yeah, always always love a late start, uh, especially as these mornings are getting colder. So um, yeah, it's been good to just turn the arms over after about nine weeks out of the water since we got the news.
0: Mate, how'd you go training through isolation? Did you manage to find a home gym or, or maybe build one yourself? I know Bunnings started selling stuff that you could make your, your own home gym, always wonder to cash yeah. things. I mean, that's what they're good for now, a gym and a snag. What, what's, yeah. And what's your training been like week to week?
1: Um, yeah look I managed to gather um, a few bits and pieces from um, a gym that I used and I bought some stuff online as well I think they were only one of the real businesses that have kicked on through uh, this has been gym equipment and yeah, places like bunnings so um, I got, got what I could uh, to, to have a little setup at home um, and just and you know enough to get by um, without much of that kind of larger equipment that I use at a gym but um, doing what I can and I'm, I'm kind of walking. Uh, nearly every day i've never walked so much in my life um which i think the rest of the gold coast are thinking the same thing because it really doesn't seem like we're going through a a, global pandemic when i go out for my walk morning walks everyone's got the same idea but it's um it's nice to get outside and and mix things up for a bit um outside of the pool and being able to surf a bit more as well which um you know i love doing but when i'm in kind of hard training i um, just opt to uh you know stashed the board away and I hadn't actually surfed in well over a year uh, nice. before this happened as well. So um, I'm loving getting back out there and, uh, you know, treating it as a bit of a, a training uh, program as well.
0: In terms of your training and, and your at-home gym, is it just been more sort of maintenance and, and looking after yourself or have you managed to put a program together to, to try and improve and build?
1: Yeah, I've put a rough program um, in place, but the same time, I'm just trying to keep it um, pretty uh, lighthearted and um, just enjoy what I'm doing mostly. So if I wake up one day and I don't really feel like, uh, you know, doing a solid lift, I'll, I'll go yeah. for a walk and go for a surf. And yeah. But, you know, I'm still doing uh, about four four gym sessions a week and walking every day and surfing a few times a week as well. So um like i said just enjoying the the time um and and the flexibility of kind of training on my own terms and Mm. um, which i think is pretty important at the moment because we do now have such a long um, road ahead of us uh for for tokyo next year um and you know there's there's a lot of time now so it's um we don't really need to be pushing anything too much at this stage but it has been good um having the home gym set up here and without the extra swimming load, I've actually been able to make pretty good um, gains in some areas that I perhaps lacked before um, with, with the shoulders, um, you know, stuff like pressing I've never been very good at um, or overhead stuff. And and with the extra swimming load, it kind of makes it hard to um, progress those things along in the gym sometimes. So I've been able to kind of focus on, on those sort of weak areas um, a bit more now, which has been good.
0: Yeah, very nice. Now, mate, during isolation, it's given us all times to, to do things that we we usually put off. You mentioned sort of surfing there that you don't get the chance to do. What else mm. have you been able to do? Have you, you know, reading books, uh, taking a course, doing bloody puzzles. I oh, saw everyone was doing a puzzle. <laughs> My wife did a puzzle and she was getting very frustrated with it. Did, did you get stuck into into anything over the last two months that you might not have had time for before?
1: Um, yeah, I have actually. Um it's funny. Last last time I had a bit of time um, outside of the the pool, I, I did my strength and conditioning um, level one course, and and this time I thought I might uh, you know try to do something similar, but um, in a, in a different kind of field. and I've actually signed up to do my real estate sales uh, course as well. Oh, Nice. Um, just it's just all online, so it's just super easy. And um, figured you know put another feather in the cap for after swimming um, if it's uh, something I might want to pursue. So have the extra time and while, yeah, while I'm not in the water, I, I figured I may as well be a bit more productive with my time rather than just uh, going for two walks a day.
0: <laughs> it wouldn't be hard to bloody sell a house up on the Gold Coast, would it? You walk around and here's the beaches and here's the here's the nightlife and then over there you've got the, you know, just up the road, sorry, you've got all your, your um, amusement parks and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And rainforest not far away as well. It's, um, you know, I'm pretty biased towards the Gold Coast, but I, I do believe it's the, the best place in Australia. <laughs>
0: yeah, mate, you can't be complaining. That's for sure. It is a great spot. Now, the Olympics got pushed back to 2021, as we spoke about. For you, you know, mentally, what effect did that have on you in terms of, you know, how did you, um, you know, go about you know thinking about the future and a lot of people uh, have already stated on here that you know some of them had injuries coming in so they were quite happy and mm-hmm. got pushed back or some of them were looking to retire maybe this year but then they had to reconsider and go okay can i go another year what about for yourself yeah,
1: yeah well it was um finding like both those things were exactly where my head was at so i was you know planning on this year being my, my last um, hopefully three Olympics and, and would be ready to kind of move on with life. And, um, and then also I had uh, a third shoulder reconstruction um, at the end of last year. So um, I also had an injury, which uh, was kind of forcing me to get back in the water as, as you know, quick as possible. And um, so it was, it, it, on one hand to, to swim an extra year um, wasn't ideal mm-hmm. to, to push on when I wanted to retire yeah. but at the same time uh, perhaps a bit of a blessing in disguise that I had a little bit more time um, to, to get the shoulder right um, and and go back and do a bit more um, you know like focused training on um, parts that I maybe skipped over mm-hmm. um, when we had to just kind of get back in and basically start swimming as fast as I could as quick as I could so, um, you know, once once we were told uh, that the game's going to be moved uh, a year a year later, um, I, I think part of me was expecting that that was going to be the case. So that was kind of the the strangest part of the, the whole um, virus, was waiting to, to hear whether they were going ahead or not and, mm. um, you know, rocking up to training and not really knowing. But um, it was business as usual until they made that call. And uh, once they made that call, um, you know, I just accepted it pretty quick and you know i thought hopefully now i can um you know have, have that bit of forced time off that we've all had to go through and then you know get the shoulder right and a, and a bit longer prep would probably suit me better anyway so yeah. um so yeah we'll we'll be going on um for one more year and made, that was never really going to be a question for me
0: It's an interesting point you make there in terms of this whole pandemic and everything being pushed back. And even in terms of, you know, are we allowed back in the pool? Are we not? And I guess the hardest thing is that we're not in control of anything, right? So at the moment, like everything is out of our control and doesn't matter how many times we ask a question, you don't get the answer until they want to give you the answer. Are you someone that deals okay with that? I mean, for me, uh, you know, it's been a a struggle at times because I'm someone who likes to be in control. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, well, I think as, as swimmers, we're, that's, we're very much used to being uh, in control of everything. You know, um, the, when we train, what we eat, um, when we race, uh, you know, there's the set dates where we kind of plan and um, are very in control of our daily routines. But um, I think for me, having gone through a few, um, you know, ups and downs of swimming with, with injury and illness and those sorts of things, it kind of uh, puts into perspective that, you know these things can happen and if they're out of your control they're out of your control there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can really do and you need to the best thing to do is just um you know acknowledge it that it's there and accept it and uh, and move forward from there and this one was probably the easiest for me in a way because everyone's in the same boat yeah. you know it wasn't it wasn't a uh a um you know dislocated ac that yeah. um from a fall that um you know no one else had to go through but um this one everyone's in the same boat and you know, there's, there's not much you can do about it. So, um, you know, in a way, it was probably, um, yeah, blessing in disguise, like I said, for me.
0: Now, mate, I, I read somewhere in my research that you were born in Tweed Heads, which is New South Wales, and that your grandfather, Ron, played for St. George in uh, mm. New South Wales, and he also represented Australia for the Rugby League as well. Now, does that mean at origin time you go for the Blues or because you're right <laughs> on the border were you converted?
1: Um, no, nah, always been uh, a Blues fan, so that's the way I was brought up. And um, yeah, Pop played for, for St George and um, played for you know down down that way for his all his career and owned, owned pubs all around New South Wales. And um, so that's the way I was I was uh, brought up. So yeah, still follow the Blues.
0: <laughs> Mate, were you were you tempted to get involved in football, or did you get involved in football at a young age?
1: Uh, it's funny. I, um, you know, got into obviously like soccer and those sorts of things when I was really young. Um, like most uh, parents, you know, put their kids into soccer or some sort of social sport. Soccer was the the first kind of social sport that I did as a kid. But I remember, um, pop, my granddad actually said to my dad what's he what are you getting him into that for soccer's for pansies <laughs> um and and didn't want me to play soccer and wanted me to play footy but mm. um but I think dad having played a little bit as well he kind of saw the the toll that it took on his body and yeah. he's had um several shoulder dislocations too the last time he dislocated his shoulder he was just waxing his surfboard so mm. um all from all started from footy yeah. um and I think he probably didn't want that life for me too but um and so it was just kind of yeah, just stumbled into swimming, really.
0: <laughs> well, mate, you've, you've brought me right to it. Take me back to a young James Roberts getting in the pool. Yeah, What were your earliest memories and what drew you towards swimming?
1: Um, earliest memories of swimming are, are terrible. I was actually um, petrified of the water mm-hmm. until I was probably about 10 years old. Um, so, you know, quite old, but yeah. most kids love playing in the pool and, you know, parents can't take their eyes off them because they'll be running and jumping in and, um anytime I'd go in the pool I wouldn't even want to put my head under um I was I hated the water that much and um so it's kind of a bit bizarre the way things have turned out um although I do tell people I'm a sprinter so I do like to get in and out as soon as <laughs> possible yeah, uh, um, and still take a while to get in into the pool as well um, when I'm getting in but um uh yeah so I I was afraid of the water until I was about 10 but then got into um nippers um dad got me into nippers to try and combat that fear of the water a little bit i guess and um growing up in the gold coast it's such a big part of um life here is we're surrounded by water and um dad you know loves surfing and stuff too so i wanted to get me familiar with the surf first and start off as a beach kid and slowly you know as i got my confidence up jumped on a, a nipper board and those sorts of things but it wasn't until i was um about 15 that i um got approached by a, a teacher at mine at school and he said, you know, you should, you should start swim training properly. And it was actually at Somerset where I am now. Yeah. Um, cause that's where we used to have our school swimming carnivals. And by that stage I was a pretty uh, decent swimmer. Um, as I'd kind of gone through the age group stuff, uh, at Nippers Dang. in Palm beach and, um, you know, showed that I could, I was pretty decent swimmer as it was. And, um, and yeah, my, um, school teacher said, why don't you start, um, training properly and it'll, it'll help your Ironman and that sort of stuff in the pool. And, um, you know, I thought, yeah, not a bad idea and just started a few days a week uh, there at Somerset and that's how it kind of started.
0: Yeah, very nice. Now, mate, for... For a lot of people out there, we've all got, you know, heroes and, and people we look up to. And I'm very fortunate here on the podcast that a lot of mine I actually get to talk to sometimes, which is <clears throat> is phenomenal for yourself. You know, who were your heroes sort of growing up and were they, you know, could have been obviously, you know, you didn't get stuck into swimming till a later age. So were your heroes maybe in surf, life saving or rugby league or, or outside of swimming?
1: Yeah, I guess because um, I didn't, yeah, come into the sport quite late. I wasn't that familiar with a lot of uh, the swimmers, but I do, I do remember watching the the two thousand Olympics, and I know um, you, you're a huge fan of that that relay, yeah, and uh, yeah, which uh, you know I think a lot of people um, would be in the same boat as well. But um, I remember seeing that, and you know the likes of Thorpey and Michael Klim and then of course Ash Callis, who's mm-hmm. now my coach, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it's been, it's pretty amazing to now, um, having come through the swimming ranks and, and know all these guys and, you know, be friends with these guys and they're all, you know, great bunch of blokes and, you know, fives as well. And, um, so I guess, you know, my earliest memories of, of kind of seeing that stuff and seeing those guys, you know, I never thought that I'd be, um, you know, have the opportunity to even you know race alongside some of them, um, as well. So, um, that, that's, that's pretty cool. And I guess... Yeah, in terms of role models, um, as I got older and, and was training alongside him, I'd, I'd have to say as much as he'd, he'd love hearing it and, and boost his ego even more. Um, you know, the old man, Ash, is, uh, yeah. he's, you know, become more of a, a mate than anything. But, um, you know, when I was training with him when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, I guess he was, uh, yeah, the role model.
0: Yeah, very nice. Now, mate, you mentioned there before 15 was the age, you know, things started to get a bit more competitive for you. You know, what did mm-hmm. that look like, those early years of you starting to, you know, compete more and, and and you know, go to more competitions mm-hmm. and race? Was it easy? Were you finding yourself at the front of the line? Were you finding yourself mid-pack? Were you behind? How, how was that for you?
1: Um, yeah, so 15, my first, um, some of the the first footage we have of me racing, I, I watched it not long ago on, on the old... Um, hand cam that dad had all pretty blurry and and shaky but it's um you can see i'm definitely a surf swimmer um the the technique was terrible and um but i think i just muscled my way through i was pretty much bigger than most most 15 year olds as well which which helped me but um look i wasn't anything you know I wasn't lighting the world on fire that's for sure like i um after a couple of months training um i did qualify for age nationals and um, my first age nationals was uh 15 nearly 16 so i was kind of right on the cusp and um I went down there and ended up 22nd in the 50 freestyle um, only just made the qualifying time and that was my my first uh big race um you know anywhere outside of queensland would, it had only been chandler which was a massive you know deal for me to yeah. go up there and swim there so that was um pretty special and i always remember i just love racing um and after getting 22nd that year the following year I came back and got fifth in Perth Nice.
0: Um,
1: and then the next three years ended up winning the 50 freestyle three years in a row so um, that's when I started um, kind of training a bit more and and dropped the surf life saving off to the bare minimum Um, and that's when yeah my coach said you know really you should start focusing on on swimming a bit more and I think that really showed after that. You're in Perth where I got fifth, that's where I started taking it a bit more seriously and um, realised that I had, you know, the potential to to maybe yeah, mix it with the, the big boys one day.
0: Mate, you're obviously, you know, known for being super fast in the fifty as you just said, and, and also in the hundred. When you were okay. sort of, you know, sixteen, seventeen, were there were there any other events that you liked to race or was it specifically, you know, you like to get in <laughs> and get out nice and fast?
1: Yeah, no, it was literally just the 50. Um, Even the 100, I I didn't really start swimming the 100 um, well, I'd say, until I uh, went down to Canberra when I was 19. Um, So the the 50 free um, was definitely always my event, but I think um, the potential was there for the 100, but I just never did enough work or, um, you know, had a lot to learn in terms of how to race 100. Um, So you know, those age national years where I won won the 53, I wasn't even making the final in the 100. Um, I think it was the, the final year where I was 18. Um, I think I just made the final and I was last in the hundred free. So, And that year I uh, broke the Australian record in the 50 as well. So um, I was, um, you know, super quick in the 50, but the 100s had a long, long way to go. And it wasn't until I moved to Canberra um, and trained under John Fowley that, um, you know, he sort of said, basically forget about the fifties, the hundreds, where you want to be, um, the hundred, you know, you got that opportunity to, to race in a relay and, um, and then ended up, uh, with, with an individual spot after the first year of uh, training down there. So, um, I think the potential for the hundred was always there. I just needed to know how to race it.
0: Mm. Mate, you mentioned there, obviously, you know, going down to AIS. And talk to me about that transition from being a junior athlete to an elite athlete and, It almost seems, you know, sometimes on TV, it's a really easy journey. You know, you see them just come along Mm. the way, but there's obviously a lot of lessons learned along the way. What lessons did you learn, you know, transitioning through that period? Was it around nutrition, you know, getting that right? Was Mm. it around your prehab? I know right now you'd probably be heavy into making sure everything's right before you you get in with prehab and and activation stuff. But back then, what were things you had to learn?
1: Yeah, well, the, the transition's different for everyone. And for me um having come into the sport quite late i had so much to learn um you know like you said nutrition recovery um even uh, you know the ability to, to push myself beyond what i thought i was capable of and um so for me the the kind of make or break was was moving to canberra and it was the same time that ash was looking to retire um and you know i had him as a training partner and uh, you know, he kind of said he, he wasn't going to be around there forever. And if I you know, wanted to take it to the next step, it was either, um, us college for me or, um, the AIS in Canberra. Um, and so I kind of, at that point didn't really want to leave Australia. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll give Canberra a shot and, um, was a, a little bit reluctant to be honest, cause I went down there on my two week trial and hated every moment of it. <laughs> um, being, being away from the surf and away yeah. from friends and family it's and a bit different, you know, I did it's very different, and I, I didn't even really really know many swimmers, um, and and the kind of swimmers that were down there were people on the Australian team. You know, I hadn't made made an Australian team. I was just um, uh, a, a rookie and um, age group swimmer, and so it was it was pretty pretty tough transition. But um, you know, looking back, it's definitely one um, that was the right decision for me at the time, and um, you know, down there I learnt yeah so much, and you have everything. Um, there for you like that you have to do uni but they have people to help you with that they have you know physio massage on um, on the premises along with nutrition and psych the the physiology and that sort of stuff like cameras like I've never done anything like that Mm. Um, so it was quite a change for me Um, and then also you know going from training probably six times a week if I was lucky to to ten times a week Mm -hmm um you know with with really structured gym and um so yeah it it literally was um so different than what i was used to but um taught me a lot of lessons and um i think uh you know i definitely wouldn't be where i where i am today if i hadn't have gone down there and ended up staying there for about five and a half years so
0: well mate definitely worked for you as i said you know I think the following year, uh, you make the Oceana team 2010 oh, Well, that might've been the year you went down there, but also 2011, yeah. you make the world champs in Shanghai. What was that experience like for you? And this is obviously your first major meet. So how did you find that mm. experience?
1: Yeah, that, uh, 2011 would, would definitely be my breakthrough year. So, um, I moved down to AIS in May of 2010, um, and then, kind of trained, trained down there through winter. Our first winter down there was shocking, <laughs> um, shocking to the system. Um, yeah, I can imagine. But, um, but you know, I went from being a fifty point two swimmer um, that year. I, I made, um, I think, I got twelfth in the open hundred meter final um, in in twenty ten, and then twenty eleven. After being Canberra, I ended up getting second um, with a forty eight seven. So. Um, and that was the kind of same year that they, they dropped the suits as well mm-hmm. um, in 2010. Uh, so uh, John, my coach um, you know decided that we weren't really gonna we're gonna start phasing out those suits early because the, the rule had come in and um, and I think uh, the timing for me was was good because I was still learning how to swim a hundred. I didn't know how it felt to swim in one of those suits. I never got the chance to, to do a hundred in one of those suits and um, you know to, to take. Uh, that big chunk off my time that first year was um, was amazing. and um, I think it was pretty unexpected um, as well. Kind of people knew that I wasn't strongest hundred swimmer, but we kind of kept things pretty pretty under wraps, and um, I'd do one hundred meter time trials every Friday. Mm-hmm. That was a thing in Canberra. Um, uh, you know, along with uh, Tommaso and um, Alicia Coots and Ben Treffers and um, cam Prosser, and we'd uh, we'd we'd get up and, and do 100 time trials every friday and i slowly saw my time kind of coming down and i still remember the first time i did a 100 uh, time trial um it was shocking it was 53 um when i first when i first went down there um and then we didn't do it again for a while did a bit of a training block and then I, I got back to to my pb pretty quickly at 50.2 and and then um one day i went 50 00 and and it was all about we just wanted to crack 50 and the friday night time trial went 50 O and john said come back in the morning um swim down come back in the morning you're doing it again um and then i went uh 49.6 um oh, in the morning so um so yeah it was uh, a big learning curve for me and and going in doing those time trials and those sorts of things i had the confidence that i knew i could race fast and um and, yeah, so 2011 to get second, we were just thinking about um, getting top six to hopefully sneak on for a relay and ended up coming away with an individual swim as well. So um, that was definitely a pretty uh, special moment in 2011. Mate,
0: hey, talk to me about the championships itself over in Shanghai. Now, you mentioned just there yourself that you sort of relate late to it and you are always sort of trying to play catch-up in a way. Now, this was your first big meet. How was that for you? And did you learn any lessons over there that – you know, you look back on now and you think, okay, I still carry that with me today.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. Um, probably uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned was, was in 2011, I'd say. Um, it wasn't a bad meet for me. I um, So I'd gone 48-7 at our trials, and um, over there I narrowly missed the final. I think it was 0.02 or 0.03 missing mm-hmm. the final, but I, I did a PB. I went 48-4. Um, and so, you know, we couldn't really ask for much more than that. And, um, it was, it was definitely disappointing to miss that final, but, um, uh, earlier in the meet, we had the, um, the four by one. So 2011 was, um, the the last year that we won the relay, um, last time that we'd won the relay, the four by one. Um, and I was part of that team and, you know, I had the individual spot. I was the second fastest, uh, hundred guy, but John, um, was actually the relay coach, and uh, he, he still thought that I was, um, you know, too raw and mm-hmm. um, that we had the likes of, you know, Maggie, who was the quickest in the world, come yeah. away with the world title that year, and we had Eamon Sullivan, you know, former record holder, Matt Target, been around forever, um, and um, so it was a pretty pretty stacked team, and, um, you know, John decided to, to actually leave me out of that final team basically before we would even swam the heats um, said to me that I wasn't going to be in the final. Um, Of course, unless I did something unbelievable in the heats that you couldn't argue with, but um, that was, that was what was said. And I remember kind of being in in two minds about it, but, you know, John, I believe he always made the the right, the hard calls, but the calls that kind of needed to be made. And, um, you know, it was pretty tough sitting in the stands um, knowing that, you know, my heat time was still, you know, solid enough to, to had been in the final. Um, but, uh, you know, he went with the experienced team and they came away with the gold medal. Um, and I I remember that the lesson that I learned from that year was I I knew that the the next year, um, you know, for hopefully a debut Olympics, I, uh, I didn't want him to look at me as being that green swimmer who, um, you know, maybe doesn't have the experience or, you know, the time, um, didn't reflect what he thought, you know, would have been in that final. So I remember thinking this next year I'm going to work, you know, the hardest that I've ever worked to to even just get to the Olympics. But for me, it was about being in that relay. Like I remember watching that relay, sitting in the stands and seeing them win the gold medal and being so stoked. But then also, you know, you see other people on the team kind of looking at you how you're reacting you're like you don't know whether to cry or be <laughs> happy and yeah, yeah. um you know it was it was definitely happy and i you know had goosebumps but then you know thinking that you you could be in there too so um so the next year i went away and that was just in the forefront of my mind that mm. that whole next prep and um you know, wanted going to, into, to i guess you wanted
0: to leave no doubt mate that you know no, yeah when you're yeah. writing down that list that your name yeah had to be on there yeah
1: exactly um so yeah, that was uh, you know a big driving factor in, in how I got to my best 100 time ever. Um, and you know the, you go through the ups and downs and that was definitely a roller coaster kind of coming away with still with the gold medals being um, part of the, the heat team and um, but you know I just knew that that's something that I wanted so bad and an Olympic year the next year it was um, I was going to work my butt off and Um, And I did that and had a a great prep and um, that's when I came away with that, uh, you know, still a best uh, best time in the 100. So um, I think I probably wouldn't have come away with that time if I hadn't experienced that the year before as well.
0: Mate, you've led me straight to it like a pro that you are. 2012 (laughs) London Olympics, um, you know, perhaps your best performance. um, Well, it is. It's not perhaps. 47.63 in the trials to qualify for the Games. Um, Very, very slick time. I'm always interested in terms of when people go their very fastest and the very best ever and even the world record holders, you know, sometimes they don't get back to that that time. What in particular with that race you know, helped you go that fast. You, you talk about there, obviously, the preparation. Mentally, you were very, very driven. You know, we know that yeah. now. Uh, physically, you know, were you also, was it a, a matter of uh, mental and physical matching at that time? So you were just at the best you've ever been?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for a best performance, um, you know, not always. You don't need all the stars to align. But for me, at that, at that point, like I said before, that 2011 year, um, was was a big motivator for me, and I just worked so hard, and I had you know, minimal interruptions, um, if any, uh, which for me is um, pretty pretty rare. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I remember just getting to trials and being being confident that I was able to mix it with those you know big boys. Like um, I'd got second year before, and um, I felt fitter, I felt stronger, um, I was. You know, in a way, I do get nervous when I race, but um, excited. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was just excited to see what I could do and um, same sort of thing. I I talk to a lot of people after, you know, they they do their best swims and um, they often – the one thing that I, like, get from a lot of people is that they're kind of a bit surprised because they're like, it just felt so easy. And, um, you know, it definitely helps. Maggie's going Mm 47-1 as well. It helps when you've got a fast field and – but – you know, I'm sure if you asked Maggie the same thing, he said it would have felt easy. And I, I, know that after my race, I was like, "Man, I can go, I can go 47 low. Like, no worries. Like, I can take another half a second off that." <laughs> so, um, I think, um, you know, when you do swim your best race, it's um, you're relaxed and you feel like you can give something more. But it, uh, when you actually look at it, it's probably part of swimming fast is swimming relaxed, um, and then having you know, a good preparation as well. So for me, it was a combination of, yeah, those things, just being super motivated from the year before, having an awesome prep, um, fast field and ready to go and was, yeah, relaxed and just wanted so badly to, to make an Olympic team. And um, I remember, you know, coming home, um, I've, I've always been a bit of a back-end swimmer. I just remember coming home each breath, just thinking this is for an Olympic team and, and hopefully for, you know, um, feeling that same feeling that i was uh, up in the stands but being on the podium so um you know got to be hungry for it and and the stars align and that's when it can come off
0: i mean london olympics themselves definitely had some dramas from australian swimming point of view but for yourself personally you know you were quite sick in the lead-up to the games Talk to me about you know obviously going forty seven six three and feeling so great and making it and you, you know you've you've achieved your goal and you, you're headed to where you wanted to get to a year previously, but then also you mm. you know your body's starting to let you down. And it's not doing you any favors to to help you achieve it. And you obviously know how fast you can go, but at the at that mm. time it, it just wasn't happening for you.
1: Yeah, look, London was obviously pretty disappointing. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I did i uh, was was a bit sick going in um, about a month out i got a picked up a parasite um, which landed me in hospital for a couple of days and was um, had a, had eight liters of drip uh, put back into me I was losing that that much fluids that I couldn't keep down and um, that definitely kind of halted the um, the role that I was on a little bit but um you know about a week out of war and I got back in and started feeling you know not too bad but Feel like it maybe took the edge off me a bit, but um, you know, first Olympics um, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced, and you know, I had had an individual spot. Maggie and I were going in one and two in the world, um, so you know, I had that in my mind as well that I, you know, wanted. I, I knew that I was, you know, a medal shot, a, a genuine medal shot, and um, so the the prep had been going pretty well ever since trials, uh, apart from that hiccup. But um, you know, I think after starting with the the relay and, and, you know, getting fourth. And that was, um, pretty, pretty hard to, um, you know, to, to come away missing a medal and Mm. being, being the favorites, really, you know, winning the year before. And then, um, we had a really quick team and, but, um, you know, got moving on to the individual. I think that really kind of zapped me, um, and the individual kind of didn't didn't perform as well as I'd hoped as well, and again missed the final by I think it was the same margin, 0.03 or point oh five. Um, so uh, that was that was disappointing to miss a final. Um, in in my mind, I just really wanted to to be in that final, and and, and anything can happen. But um, again, like you know, a lot of lessons learned, and um, that's just the ups and downs of swimming.
0: Mate, we're eight years on now, and. Obviously, you're a lot more experienced um, and a lot more mature. Do you look back at that and and think, obviously, you know, you were very early into into your career. There, it was, you know, only you, your first major team the year before, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're thrust into the Olympics. You're there. You're, yeah. You know, you're the second fastest swimmer in the world. I remember seeing on TV, everyone had a bloody nickname, and everyone was <clears> the <throat> rocket. And you were the rocket, and then there's the missile, and there's all this stuff, and everyone's just you know going gangbusters in terms of you know how much gold we're going to win and all this sort of stuff do you think that Mm. was something you know that you sort of had to go through to learn and get that experience to sort of you know deal with the nerves a bit better i mean it's a hard way to go about it being on the biggest stage of them all but obviously it's an experience that you you had to go through
1: yeah like i think um you know looking back then like i still remember you know london well even though it was eight years ago I'd, i'd couldn't picture myself still swimming today so um you know yeah it was it was only my second um really big meet um you know with Shanghai the year before so yeah it was it was a big learning curve and I think um you know as as disappointing as it was it was still an amazing experience to get there and um you know sometimes that's just sport like you you put in the efforts there you do everything and unfortunately sometimes the you know the media love to to play us up and and when we don't quite pull it off, um, you know, it's, it's a disaster and all these sorts of things, but, you know, that doesn't, they can't take away the kind of the hours and the effort that we all put in. And, you know, sometimes things are out of your control as well. And, um, but, you know, being over there and experiencing it and, you know, just getting to swim for my country, like, um, that's something that I never thought I would, you know, be doing when I was a a little nipper at Palm beach surf club. Mm -hmm. So, um you know mix mix emotions about it but definitely going on to um uh to, to rio and able to go to a second olympics and you know and that's why i'm still still around because I, I genuinely believe that uh our team and um you know the men's four by one we can still do something special and and i still believe that i can put in a performance that's career best um so that's why I'm still here and still chasing that, um, that dream of being on top of the podium and um, along with those other boys. So, yeah.
0: Very well said. Now, one thing I just picked up on then was you, you said you never dreamed of uh, you'd be at the Olympics back when you were a nipper. I was going to say you wouldn't <clears> have <throat> thought you'd be at the bloody Olympics when you are back and you didn't even want to get in the water
1: yeah no definitely that's why it's um yeah it's pretty funny the way things have turned out so i often tell people that story that i was afraid of the water and when i when i had parents come up to me and you know ask me how do i get my kids to enjoy the water more i just say <laughs> you know that was me so yeah. um probably don't force them um, let, let it come and you know they're not going to be world record breakers at the age of 10 so a perfect
0: advice. Um following those games, mate, I think two thousand and thirteen you have a decent year, but you know, you have a terrible run with injuries um throughout the next few years. I think you have a lower back Mm -hmm. injury and two shoulder reconstructions all in the space of, you know, those few years. Now we all know, you know, you go on to overcome these setbacks and we'll get onto Rio in a second, but you know, give me a little insight into, you know, obviously and again we touched on the Olympics was a motivating factor, but Mate, it's not easy to do every every morning to get back up and to go through it again to keep going. Talk to me about those few years with all those injuries and setbacks and, and staying motivated. Mm.
1: Yeah, they were definitely the hardest years. 2014-15 um, um, was the two years I was off the team and, uh, you know, coming off the back of London, um, a bit of a disappointing meet there and, um, you know, not, not achieving what I thought I was capable of and then having the body kind of let me down and, um, had, yeah, these back issues, which we didn't know what was going on with. Um, and then found out I needed, um, two shoulder reconstructions. Um, they were definitely the hardest years. And, um, at that point, I think I just needed to to take a step back from swimming. And remember when I got, uh, I'd seen my surgeon and, and the doctors at AIS and they said, look, you, you need two shoulder recos and the sooner the better. Um, I remember after I had that information, I, I went back to the pool and stood on the edge. I was meant to, to do a session, and I just kind of looked at John and I said, "Um, I'm done. I I need a, you know, I need some time away." And um, I think uh, looking back, that was definitely the the right decision because for for about a year, I was pushing on with without diving and trying to do you know sets, and I couldn't really turn properly with my back, and um, while having Kind of ongoing shoulder pain and just felt like I was, you know, pushing stuff uphill. Yes, um, yeah. And uh, so I just, yeah, just, it just hit me. I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm done for a bit. Need to get these shoulder recons. And to be honest, I wasn't sure if I'd ever really come back. Um, there was a big part of me that, that knew that I um, hadn't achieved what I wanted to and didn't want to end on that, you know, after making just two, um, three teams and, um, and and I didn't want that to be it. So I had the, the shoulder ops and I had nine months out of the water and, um, you know, got got my head in a better space. And once I could focus on the rehab and I knew it was going to be a long, long road ahead. And um, one of the other decisions I had to make was to, to move, uh, leave Canberra and, and come back home. So I think I just needed a change of uh, scenery as well. And, you um, and, with that came, you know, a change of squads and, um, so decided to, to leave Canberra, um, after five and a half years and came back up home and, um, was chatting to Ash about where I might go. Cause you know, always come to him for advice. And, yeah. uh, I remember I jumped in with, um, Richard Bond for, for a couple of sessions and those guys were absolutely flying and, you know, super fit. And I was only doing about a kilometer of, uh, pretty much snorkel kick at mm-hmm. that stage. And um, it was just going to be too, too hard. And, and seeing, you know, guys next to me swimming that fast was going to be, you know, not, not the greatest for yeah, yeah. Uh, my mental state to come back. So I just said, Ash, look, can I just jump in around your squads? He was just coaching a bunch of uh, kids at the time. And he said, yep, no worries. So I'd come in at about 1 p.m. before he'd, he'd coach. And, and we just started there. It was just to... to Get back in the water, and and each day I wanted to. I just I wanted to get back in the water, and I wanted to progress a little bit. And you know, started rolling the arm over. And you know, we said we'd reassess once I start um, being able to swim a bit uh, better. And um, and next thing we did a did a meet and raced, and um, and I'm still there, so (laughs) never 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 left.
0: Hey, talk to me about that relationship. Obviously, it goes all the way back to the AIS and, and you know, Ash has not only just been an idol of yours from from when you were younger, but also a mentor growing up and, and now your coach and one of your best mates. You know, training with him and, and at the beginning, um, training with him and, and how you've progressed through. How's that been for you? Is that obviously an enjoyable um, environment for you?
1: Yeah, I think... Um... You know, when you're looking at the, the later stages of my career, which, you know, I'm definitely at now, um, I, I think it works really well um, having someone who's been there and done it and um, who's more of a, a mate than than really a coach. Uh, I know when I moved to Canberra, I, I needed that uh, heavy discipline and, um, you know, having that really strict routine and uh, now being a little bit older and wiser, um, I think it just, the, the dynamic works well um, and it's just about, you know, enjoying training and, you know, we, we work hard, um, still really work hard and, but it's about training smarter, not harder now Um, being, being a bit older and um, having to modify a few things with the capabilities I have uh, with, with the shoulders and and, um, other things. And so, you know, it works, it works really well. Um, And that's why I think when I started off with him, there was no pressure. And then we, we got to, to Rio and, um, ended up swimming the second fastest 100 of my life after those reconstructions. And, you know, we didn't really do anything special, to be honest, in that prep. We uh, we just went hard when I could. And when I didn't, we recovered. And um, we just worked at chipping away each day and, and improving. And um, so um, I think after that year, you know, I really thought, you know, Ash is, uh, is, is a good fit for me. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we enjoy it.
0: Mate, you mentioned there you, you'd go on to defy the odds and the and the doctors and you qualify for your second Olympics in Rio. And, you know, you, you go on to obviously, you know, be a part of the men's 4x100 freestyle relay. Um, and the boys would go on to to come away with a bronze medal in the final. Talk to me about that second games experience. You know, how was that for you? Um, And did you, did you get a chance to kind of just soak it up a little bit and really appreciate what you'd just gone through for, you know, two or three years in the lead up to that. And, and you'd finally, you know, you'd made it back to the big show, which was ultimately your goal. And, and it wasn't exactly an easy road. There was a lot of bumps along the way. Did you get that moment to kind of go, yeah, I did it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I I tell a lot of people um, that that, uh, trial swim in 2016 to, to make the Olympics, um, after going through that was still the proudest moment of my life. Like I just did not expect to, to come back. Um, and, you know, I was hoping to sneak on again for relay. Um, uh, but we just really didn't know where, where, I you know, the kind of time that I could get back to and to swim, uh, um, the second fastest time, um, Ever was uh, was amazing, and and the feeling of looking up and seeing that three next to my name, you know, like I didn't get an individual spot, but I was I was still well and truly in um, in for that relay, and um, yeah, it's it still to be honest, still gives me goosebumps today to to think about it, and you know, when you go through those hard times, I think that just makes um, those little wins that much sweeter, and um, you know, anyone who really really knew me and um, uh you know the kind of few years i would had before uh you know I remember seeing um you know the people I used to train with in Canberra like Alicia and and uh and and my coach John Fairley who um you know is a pretty uh pretty hard to please kind (laughs) of guy in in training like we do some pretty good stuff in training he was uh you know always looking to to go better, and and that's why he, you know, produced such good swimmers. But to see him come up to me with tears in his eyes, um, you know, that, that, those sorts of moments were, were pretty special um, in in 2016. So to to be over in Rio, I definitely uh, had had a different appreciation for um, for being there, and um, was was really special games for me to, to come away with a, a bronze medal. You know, wasn't wasn't on top of the podium, but to get onto that podium um, was yeah, just um, so special. Mate, give me,
0: um, a little bit of advice or words of wisdom to, to the listeners out there who might be going through some adversities. And obviously there, you know, you've been through quite a few yourself, somebody else that might just be, you know, going through something a little bit smaller or could be bigger, but Mm. what advice would you have to those guys in terms of staying motivated and ultimately trying to, you know, get back to, to where they wanted to be?
1: Yeah. Like everyone goes through, has their own stuff and, um, you know, to have a dream run through swimming, you'd, you'd be pretty lucky, or, or in any sport. But um, you know, I always think there's so many people out there worse off, um, or who go through much much harder things than than I have. And um, but I think just that, um, just that idea that you know, when when you do go through something so so you know those low times or something so hard that when you come back, you might not get back to your best. Like I said, the, you know, I never got back to the 47.6. I did the, the four years previous, but to come back and, and do a time that, you know, I didn't even think I'd be capable of, um, it, it, it's, it's amazing. So I think, you know, when you go through those hard times, you just need to, to realize that, um, if you, you stick with it and, um, you just focus on short-term goals and not the long-term goals, it's easy to, to uh, kind of look look ahead and I could have easily, you know, jumped in with, with those guys at Bond and seen them pumping up and down, um, you know, swimming super quick and I could have thought, no, nah, there's no way I'm going to get there and yeah, yeah, I yeah. could have quit there but, and that's why I went to Ash and it was just, you know, the, the K of snorkel kick starting off and it's just those little steps and um, the, I've, I've uh, told a lot of people this, this quote that I love and a lot of people probably heard me say it a thousand times before but uh, one that really stuck in my head that whole preparation was don't count the days, make the days count. Um, so again, not looking too far ahead and not counting the amount of days left, but just making each, each and every day count and just trying to work on little things and, um, taking those little steps for the, the, the bigger picture. And, um, and once you get there, it, uh, it feels good. So, yeah.
0: Hey, that is fantastic advice. I just wrote that quote down. So, I will be using that one with my athletes as well. Now, mate, give me a little insight as well into an athlete's mind in terms of a race plan. So, yeah, I don't want to go through the 50 because obviously we know, you know, you dive in and, <laughs> and hold your breath and yeah. get the legs going the away you go. But in terms of a hundred, you know, what is um, a race plan that you and, and Ash come up with? What does it look like? Are there just a few points that you've got to go through during your race or is it a little bit more elaborate than that? Or is it as simple as, and I have had people tell me this, dive in, go fast, down, turn, come faster back. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah, I don't look at it quite like that. It, there's a bit more that goes into it. But, and, and this is what I learned, um, how to race 100. Um, you know, in Canberra, I, I figured out that I was actually uh, a stronger back-end swimmer than, than using that 50 speed and turning around and trying to hang on. I was actually better off, you know, conserving a little bit of energy down that first 50 and then really building through. So, um, you know, swimming at the end of the day is all about who slows down the least, essentially. Uh, you're never travelling as fast as when you first hit the water um and you know just because you turn first at the 50 you you never really see those guys finish first at the end of the 100 so um that's what i really learned um when i started racing them and when we did our time trials i was always turning nearly body length behind and then coming from behind and chasing um and that's where i found my strength was so i think it's um it's about swimming to your strengths but obviously working on those weaknesses too but for me, I know that you know a weakness of mine is is my underwater, for example, and but I know that if I really uh, tried to hammer my underwater off the start and turn, then the rest of my race uh, would suffer uh, as well. So it's um you know not to say that I can't get better at underwater. It's knowing you know how you swim your best race and, and trying to execute that to where, the best of your where ability. You get a
0: bit more bang for your buck, I guess.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you know, we we played around the last couple of years as my fifty speed started coming back a bit more. Um, we we played around with uh, going down a bit quicker in the in the first fifty, and but you know still um, was coming home slower than I would have liked. And uh, you know, come game was uh, you know 21.9 one nine for a fifty and twenty three oh feet on, but then just not quite the back end that I know I'm capable of swimming coming back. So. Um, you know, you can play around with, with things, but I think, yeah, sticking to your strengths. And for me, it's not letting, um, you know, not letting people get too far ahead of me, but just, just sitting comfortably and and knowing that uh, I build through the race. So essentially each, each 25, it's about building each 25, um, which, uh, basically you're you're keeping the same stroke rate. You're not really increasing the stroke rate for me. It's keeping a, a nice steady stroke rate the whole time and swimming, uh, swimming big, um, and that's one thing I, I learned to, in Canberra was about holding good water and something big and, um, big and strong. So that's what works for me. And, you know, it's not always what works for everyone, but, um, the, the hundred is the kind of race that it's, uh, it's not really a sprint, um, like, you know, in terms of, you know, 47 seconds, um, when you compare that to athletics, you know, they're running on the track in 43 44 seconds um for a 400 yeah and you know the 400 although it is deemed a a shorter event it's definitely not like the 100 so um 100 on the track that is so yeah so 100 freestyle is still uh, a bit of tactics go into it and um yeah i think learning learning how you you need to swim it to to suit your ability of swimming and um and then just practicing that and then yeah once it all comes together that's when you can make those big drops
0: absolutely uh, mate again some great advice there now i'm after some more advice from you i'm asking a lot from you today but what about a pre-race playlist mate what What do you listen to before you before your races or do you not listen to anything
1: um no i do um that's something that uh we played around a lot with when i was again learning learning uh you know how to how to race it was also you know not just how to execute the hundred swimming it was about the mindset going in and before right. and i remember as i was uh, coming through the age group nationals i used to listen to the like heavy rock or yeah. um you know that real real pump up music for those 50 frees and and then um i kind of went the opposite way when i when i went to canberra and started training for the hundred a bit more it was more about um i listen to music that just puts me in a good mood Mm -hmm. i think sometimes if you get that that real pump up music for me personally um you know stuff like that can increase your heart rate it can um you know take your mind off off the uh, task at hand and uh, execution and that sort of thing and um you know maybe for a 50 like guy like ash i know a few of the songs i used to listen to were were songs that ash used to listen to before he raced his 50 but you know he he looked like he wanted to rip someone's head off or <laughs> break break the blocks when he jumps in, yeah. um, which I'd seen him do several times in training. Um, but yeah, for me, it's is more um, kind of chilled music, to be honest. Um, really, really calming sort of stuff, and or just um, you know a, a song that puts me in a good mood. So yeah.
0: Hey, what do you get up to away from the pool? I know we're only just starting to get back into it now. Um, and, and you mentioned there was some surfing and stuff like that, but that's since you've had time to, you know, not have to train. When you are in sort of mm. the full swing of training, you know, how do you like to spend your time away from the pool?
1: Yeah, look, I like to shut off completely, really, from from training. Um, I a few years ago now, I finished a, a degree in advertising and marketing, so I was always studying Um, and then after that, I did, um, did my, my coaching, swim coaching bronze course and and the strength conditioning one that I mentioned earlier. Um, so, you know, we often have a lot of time through the day to do stuff. And like I said, doing the real estate thing now, um, I think it's important to just have little things to, to keep your mind off the swimming as well. And, um, I don't really surf when I'm in full training, like I said, but I do spend a lot of time down the beach, um. You know, I dabble in a little bit of golf. I play a terrible game of golf. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, a little bit of guitar, um, and yeah, just um, basically just trying to tr- switch off from from swimming when I'm not there, and uh, don't mind a good good nap as well.
0: Mate, it's funny, uh, it's funny you mentioned golf, Uh, as you were talking before about, you know, your PB, your best race, and you felt like, you know, you didn't even really try as hard as you had before, and you managed that. That that is golf to Yeah, I was just thinking the other day, I was at the driving range, and I hadn't played for ages, and uh, I was just trying so hard, and just shanking them, all sorts of things. And then I just hit this ball that I felt like I didn't even try, it didn't even felt like it connected felt like I just mm. sort of kissed it off the tee and yeah. it went flying straight like I've never hit it before. Yeah. I was like, all right, let's do that again. And the harder I tried, exactly, the worse yeah. I got. So I never got back to that shot. So, yes, I can yeah. definitely uh, go with you on that one.
1: Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, and, and that is an example I tell people too. Um, and, I, you know, and it's playing within your capability. Like I, I play with mates and, um, you know, they'll go and, smack the driver and it'll go four fairways over and i'll just stick to my capability I, I play with a pretty much tee off with a with a five iron or um or higher and um just stick to my irons and, and not put a lot of effort in and um play within my capabilities and that's how you get it done but yeah sa- seriously same thing the, the more relaxed you are those sorts of things and um the, the better better the outcome. <laughs>
0: Could see my daughter was at the driving range with me and you know she can't really talk much yet, but she was just looking at me, shaking her head. Like every time I'd shake <laughs> and I'd start swearing yeah. and I'd look like I want to throw the club and she'd look at me just, what is wrong yeah. with my dad? He can't even hit the ball. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you, you mentioned there, you know, all of the stuff that you, you, you're training on and you, you're getting into with coaching and strength and conditioning and uh, you know, now real estate and stuff like that. Talk to me about that sort of training and life balance and, I guess it's not even so much just with swimmers, it's it's in life, you know, with, with work and home life and I've mm. myself, I've got a family. How do you go with, with finding the balance and making sure, you know, you're giving 100% of yourself everywhere you are?
1: Yeah, it's super important and, um, you know, I think it's something that uh, I've got mates who, you know, work nine to five and, and that's their priority is obviously work and for me, I'm lucky enough that I can call swimming work um, and that is, really the priority and um you know i fit in things around that uh, to balance it out and and on the flip side my mates you know use exercise and stuff to balance out their work life so uh you know i'm I'm lucky enough that i can stay fit and um you know do what i love and uh call it call it a job but it, it is still important to to not fully um you know immerse yourself in in one thing i think um that you know as we've spoken about before there's ups and downs with everything and you can't rely on that one thing for for happiness and it's not going to last forever as well um i'm lucky enough that i'm still going and didn't think i'd be swimming you know into i'll be in my 30s next year so um it's it's important to have balance outside of swimming for sure and that's, that's something that i often tell parents and, and young swimmers coming through as you know, as much as it's great to have that passion for swimming and, um, and that drive, it's, um, you know, it's not going to be there forever. And even though you'll, you'll have friends and and those sorts of things it will hopefully go on forever, it's important to, to keep that balance there. And, um, when you get a good balance, that's when, you know, you can perform your best as well, going, going back to the ability to relax and switch off and, you know, come back and work hard when you're there. But, um, have, have other outlets to, to take your mind off. Um, swimming is, is always a good thing, I think.
0: I mean, absolutely. And uh, I've always thought with these podcasts, and even though we specifically talk about swimming, if you, if you strip away the the swimming component of it, um, you know, so much of these lessons that you guys learn and you guys get to, you know, pass on through, through the podcast are life lessons that things can, you know, people can take away to, you know, their work-life balance and, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm a strong believer in you can learn something from everyone. And, you know, people's experiences are different. But, um, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like you can definitely learn something from, from everyone. And, and I love learning from other people. And whether it applies to you or not, you know, you, you know whether that does. But um, hopefully there's some lessons there for, for some young swimmers.
0: Along those same lines, you know, when you hang the togs up, and I know you've got one more year left in the tank to, to try and get to Tokyo, but, you know, when, when you hang the goggles up, you, have you put much thought into, you know, where life's going to take you next, what your next step
1: is? Um, look, not not too much. Uh, I definitely want a little bit of time to, to maybe travel, mm-hmm. um, even though, you know, we're so fortunate to to travel with swimming and I've been to a lot of amazing places and, um, but, but when we are there for swimming, we're there for swimming. So, um, that's, uh, that's all we really, um, have time for is, uh, swimming and often try and try and hang around for, for a week after each competition, but it'd be good to explore, um, some of the places that I've been and would like to spend a bit more time in. So I think I'll definitely take some time for myself, um, and, and travel. And, um, and then after that, don't really know, to be honest, uh, something in sport would be great. Um, uh, I do a bit of, um, work for Adidas swimwear at the moment, uh, on the side. And, um, so something in, you know, marketing with, with sport or, um, perhaps coaching always, um, I never thought that that would be, uh, a route that I'd take, but the older I've got, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like it's something that I'd, I could be pretty passionate about and, you know, making sure that swimmers are enjoying um, just life basically. And then, and then swimming, um, you know, fits into that. And then, um, so yeah, perhaps that doing the real estate thing, never know (laughs) there's options there. there.
0: There's many, many options for you. That's for sure with that resume now, uh, mate, I want to get you a little insight into the Australian team. And I think, you know, yourself more than anyone um, that I've had on the show, you know, nearly a decade in the Australian team, I think you're probably one of the better people to go to on this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a sentence and then I want you to finish the sentence with uh, who, in your opinion, best suits it. So, for example, you know, there's a question of uh, the person who gives the best advice. So, and then you sure. talk on who, whoever you go to within the Australian team um yeah, yeah that gives the best advice so we'll start with funniest person on the team is
1: oh, he'd like to think it's zach yep. he'd like to think that he's the funniest person yep. he's he's yeah he's all right uh, <laughs> i'd say probably probably kyle um kyle's just a big goofball um for, for those who know him and he always uh cracks me up somehow with uh um just, just his mannerisms and, and what he has to say. So I'd probably have to say Kyle probably makes me laugh the most.
0: It's funny you mentioned Zach made his um his episode on the podcast actually comes out today. So he and I'm pretty sure he answered <laughs> Good timing. I'm pretty sure he answered himself when uh, when it's the yeah. funniest person on the team. Uh, what about yeah. leader or leaders of the team?
1: Uh, leaders uh, I'd probably have to say there's probably a few people that stick out, and, and some of them are probably the obvious ones, like, uh, I guess, Kate, um, been around forever um, and, you know, again, has uh, a lot of experience and some great advice. Kate and Bronte, um, Bronte the same. Um, Tommy Fraser Holmes as well. is is been around for a long time and probably see him as a, a bit of a leader as well. So, yeah, I, I'd say there's there's a lot of people you could say say are leaders i think um uh you know, all around most of the people well, all the people on the team now I, I could see um being being great leaders so yeah
0: Wait, what about best singer or dancer on the team you, you would have had a few night outs with the with the team after competitions and stuff like that is there anyone you've seen cutting a rug
1: oh best singer Let's say Zach again. Put him on the spot, and hopefully you can get him back and um, and get him to sing because well, he posted to get to the bloody, day, which...
0: I tried to get him to tell me a bloody joke because he obviously wants to, you know, get into comedy and um, you know. Yeah, he, you he, put him on the spot. Yeah, and he wouldn't do it, so we'll, we'll try yeah. again.
1: Try to get him to sing. Yeah. Um, it's shocking. Um, <laughs> oh, best dancer. You know, I'm gonna have to do a Zach and say myself. Okay. <laughs>
0: Getting on the dance for Well, oh, on the yeah. coast, mate, of course. There's plenty of opportunities. Um, mate, what about person with the biggest quirks? Are there, is there anyone around the team that you see on pool deck just doing some some weird and funky stuff?
1: Um, quirkiest person. Oh, you got me on that one. I'm not sure. I think oh, David Morgan's pretty quirky. Yep um alex Graham is is a bit quirky too um you know he was he was uh, up there with when i was tossing up kind of the, the funny person um alex but i don't know whether it's funny or quirky so let's let's give him the quirky one <laughs>
0: <laughs> mate we'll finish with the person on the team who gives you the best advice when when james roberts needs advice and obviously you've got your your coach ash but when you when you want to go to a swimmer who do you go to
1: Ooh, um, I honestly feel like I could go to anyone for for great advice. Yep. Um, I know that's a bit of a cop out, but I'd say probably someone like Alex Graham or, or Tommy Fraser Holmes or or Kyle, mm. um, probably one of those boys. I'd say for advice,
0: mate. It's interesting you say that because I've spoken to a few people now um, on the show, and and a lot of people answer you know those questions with everybody. Which is obviously, mm. I, I think, um, an indication that our swim team is is in pretty good shape mentally anyway yeah. and obviously experience-wise that, you know, you could go to everyone and all swimmers are showing leadership qualities. I think it definitely um, stands us in good shape leading into 2021, you know, experience-wise and, and maturity-wise, definitely.
1: Mm, absolutely. I think it's um, definitely a very tight-knit team at the moment and... Uh, you know each each uh, team that i've been a part of the past few years has, has really felt like that and um, it's great for um, great for the team and you know everyone's um, everyone seems to to be really getting along so it's uh it's going to be a great uh, last year to be a part of i think um, with with hopefully tokyo going ahead next year um, really looking forward to it
0: absolutely mate i think we'll wrap it up there perfect chance to to say goodbye james mate thank you very much for agreeing to come on for a chat um appreciate you taking the time out um especially on the gold coast with probably looking at the beaches and i I know you (laughs) take some time away to come on and, and share some stories mate and good luck you know, with getting back in the pool and obviously rebuilding your fitness and getting the feel back and ultimately, you know, going on to try and go to your your third Olympics in Tokyo. And and fingers crossed, mate, we're we're all supporting you and and hopefully you, you get that fairy tale ending to your career. But ultimately, mate, until then, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast.
1: No, thanks so much for having me, Robbie. Appreciate it.
0: Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly sponsored, as always by Pro Swim Workouts. Thank you very much once again to James Roberts for coming on the show. Great bloke, we had a great chat and thoroughly enjoyed having him be a part of the podcast. Next week, we head across the ditch for our two episodes for two New Zealand specials with Olympian Brad Ashby and world champs and com Games medalist, Mr. Lewis Clearbert. I cannot wait for you all to hear these two great interviews with two stars of New Zealand swimming. Also coming your way next week is another big sponsorship announcement for the podcast. It's especially exciting for all our New Zealand fans out there. So make sure you keep an eye out on our social media pages over the next week. But also listen up to EP33 with Brad Ashby next Wednesday, the 24th of June for more information. Until then though guys, I hope everyone has a great weekend and it's bye for now.